Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. We're here in a rather somber occasion, but um, we have two of the three two precincts best who ever worked there. Uh, one retired chief of department, Louis Anamon, who was also the commanding officer of the three two. And I think if you ask him, and we'll ask him later, what was one of the proudest commands he ever worked at? Yeah. He would tell you it was the three two. And then we also have Mr. 3-2, actually, Irvin Abino, who did 32 of his 32 years on the police department, all in the 3-2. He retired as a uh, as a first-grade detective. And with me tonight is my co-host, straight out of Brooklyn, retired NYPD detective Phil Grimaldi. How are you doing tonight, Phil? Uh, honestly, I've been better, Bill. It's just a tough time right now for the NYPD in the city of New York. And uh, let's get to it. Okay, folks. Police off the cuff, real crime. It's a show with two retired detectives that were in the thick of New York crime, fast and hectic. They got some stories and some jokes, even an interview with the most popular folks. Off the cuff, off the cuff. One episode, just saying enough. Get a little laughter and an interview too. It's maybe the best thing you can do. Hello, folks, and welcome back on this uh, somber occasion. Of course, we're talking about the NYPD officer who lost his life, police officer Rivera, and another officer whose life is hanging by a thread right now, police officer Mora. And, you know, they're a part of a, a, a brotherhood, the NYPD. And all of us that um, we all feel this like they're a part of our family. And it's it's the weirdest thing because they're not in your family yet you feel like they're part of your family and it it's it's an ache that doesn't go away. And I felt that we needed to cover this and to to cover this, I brought in uh, two of the three two uh, precincts best that ever worked there. Chief Lewis Anamone, welcome. Could you have a few words to say about this incident, Chief? Yeah, I have a lot to say, uh, Billy, but I want to I don't want to steal the uh, the thunder from uh, the Bean and uh, Phil and yourself. Listen, uh, it's a horror. It's a tragedy. We know that. This is dangerous work. We know that. They signed up for it. We signed up for it. Uh, there has to be, you know, a change in the city, and it's got to occur rapidly. Billy, we don't have time to wait. I've got a lot of thoughts and a lot of ideas. Maybe uh, after a little bit, we'll talk about it. But... Uh, I don't want to see any more cops killed needlessly, needlessly uh, in the line of duty because, uh, you know, there, there wasn't enough done for these cops earlier, either by the public, by the politicians, and even by the department, if they lack training or anything else. I want to fix this stuff. And I, I mean now, let's get off our asses and get this stuff done. We need a sense of urgency in this city and in this department. No more, you know, hanging around by the co uh, by the uh, water cooler or the coffee pot. <laughs> get off our asses and get out there and do our job. 
You know, Chief, you were one of the architects of Comstat, and which Comstat was uh, predicated upon broken windows style policing, which seemingly the powers that be want to get away from that yeah. and have a kinder, gentler police department that doesn't arrest people because they don't want to prosecute people. But for broken windows policing to work, everyone in the criminal justice system has to be on board. You have to have the police on board, the prosecutors on board, the courts on board, the politicians. And if everyone's not on board, it just simply does not work. Uh, Billy, I can't argue with you. And that's part of what's got to change. You know, the prosecutors, uh, we've got uh, new wave prosecutors, not only in Manhattan, but in some of the other boroughs as well. They're not doing all they can. Uh, the, the criminal courts and the criminal justice system are broken right now. And they're broken because we had progressive, liberal, far left liberal progressives that wanted to change laws up in Albany and in the city council. And they did it. And we're reaping the, uh, the uh, whirlwind now as a result. And Jason Rivera and uh, police officer Hubert Mora suffered as a result of this. 100% chief. Well said. Uh, Irving Abina, Bean, you even have your nickname Bean there. Uh, I was <laughs> I'm trying to use your Christian and, and your full baptized <laughs> name. <laughs> but but it's Bean. Bean. I guess you were baptized as Bean. The priest poured the water over your head. I baptize you Bean. You know? <laughs> was it <laughs> anyway, Bean, yeah. I know you are a legend in the 3-2. I, I, my 10 years in homicide, I felt like the 3-2 was my second home because we're always up there. And I yeah. saw you a couple times every week. But, Bean, I know that your heart is broken right now. It's because, sure. <clears throat> you want to speak it, upon that a little bit? It, it sure is. Uh, these are two young officers who happen to come to the greatest precinct in the world. I don't care what anybody tells you. We work. And if someone tells you that we don't care about the, the people that live in that command, uh, I, I'm going to tell you they're full of it. because. 99.9 percent .9 of us will go out of our way to help them um you know uh whatever the case may be even if it's just a uh just a talk you know just a talk i mean you know i just i just can't believe that someone would want to do that to two guys who were there they weren't looking to arrest nobody you know they were looking to talk to him to make sure he's okay you know, I spoke with my, you know, I, I was in the squad, you know, uh, and I spoke to a couple of guys there and uh, they were there just just to talk to him to make sure that he's OK. And what happens? He gets a he gets he, they both get shot. Uh, one, obviously, you know, unfortunately died. The other one is hanging by a thread. And for what? You know, they weren't they weren't going to arrest him. Uh, you know, they were doing their job. You know, they didn't come there to shoot up anybody. They weren't coming there to arrest anybody. They were looking to help. And you know, being on the screen, I'm going to put the gun that the perp mm. used. And I use the word perp because that's I will always use that for a perp, even though the kind, gentler criminal justice system doesn't want us to call criminals perps anymore. He's a perp. This is the gun. He had a 45 caliber with a... a magazine that held 40 rounds what were his intentions obviously his intentions were very bad and i just want to make a little point when you talk to progressive politicians the gun did this 
When you talk to law yeah. enforcement, the criminal did this. The gun doesn't do anything without someone pulling the damn trigger. So You're stop so right. with the Second Amendment bullshit. Yeah. The criminal pulled this trigger. And that's who we got to go after. Not the guns. It's the criminal. That is correct. That is yeah, correct. It's, you know, it's just it's just amazing. I mean, like you said, the gun has a trigger. Okay. Someone had to pull the trigger. Pull the trigger. And unfortunately, the criminal did. And now we're, we have one dead uh, young uh up giving, you know, he was up and uh, he's always smiling. Uh, there's a uh, uh, a YouTube tag or something like that where a, a local person, you know, a civilian, just coming by, you know, he's on a foot post or something like that and smiling and he's being nice. He's not saying anything bad to the, uh, to the, the civilian who's videotaping him. He's got this big, big Kool-Aid smile and you know he's there he 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 was one of those guys that wanted to be a cop and unfortunately he paid the ultimate the ultimate price for being who he is and, and again you know young guy i mean these guys obviously got there before i left because i've only been retired four years and uh but you know we have a lot of guys uh before i left that were really really into the job they wanted to help you know and of course it's not about medals or or uh, you know things like that they wanted to help i mean well that's one of the reasons why i stayed in the three two i i happen to love the command i love the people i love the cops i, I just love the whole the whole area you know it, i feel that it's my home and it was my home for 32 years you know, Bean, if I could just echo something, and I wasn't, uh, I didn't work on patrol in the 3 2. Uh, actually, Chief Anamon was my first CO when I worked on the 2 0 when I first came on the job. And I, I was thinking of like, oh, up in Harlem, Middle Harlem, the cops must be really, you know, brutal and this and that. And when I went up there, it, the opposite was true. I thought the yeah. cops were great. And the squad, the squad was magnificent. And, and you know, something, it's like, People don't realize the human beings that work, uh, that are police officers and the human beings that work in detective squads. They look at the police, you know, you hear some of them talk an occupying army and all this other nonsense. Bullshit. But you know something, when someone has to go through a door where someone has killed someone or someone's hurting someone, that's going to be the police, not these politicians who are weak need as it is. You know, Billy, I just want to make a comment on something that Bean said. It, this was a routine family dispute. They didn't go in there, guns blazing. They went in there to try and settle a family dispute. And this animal, this savage, decided to uh, go on a suicide mission. That's what I'm calling it. But I want to make another point. Uh, we all took the oath. And I can remember my first or second day in the police academy that the instructor was telling us, there's going to be people maybe possibly in this room that may get killed in the line of duty or there's going to be someone in this class that may commit suicide. Both of those things happen within a very short time on the police department. We accept the fact that we put on a vest, uh, we put on a badge, we put on a gun belt, and we go out there to fight crime. But what's happening now is not acceptable. It's totally unacceptable. We don't have the backing of the politicians. We don't have the backing of the district attorney's office. We don't have the backing of the criminal justice system. This has to stop. This new mayor, uh, Adams, is talking about a federal interdiction by uh, the feds to, to stop the, the flow of guns into New York City. Okay, good. 
But we need a deterrence. Deterrence is this. If you're caught with a gun, a fully loaded illegal handgun, you're going to jail for three years, five years, whatever it is. We used to have that deterrence. We used to have anti-crime that would do stop, question, and frisk and take guns off the streets and save lives in the minority communities. That's not happening anymore. They took away plainclothes anti-crime. They just about took away stop, question, and frisk. And I use stop, question, and frisk for a specific reason. It's called stop and frisk in the street. And that's not what it is. It's it's uh, There's certain levels that have to be met before you get to the point where you can frisk someone. And we've gone through that many times on the show. The bottom line is this. We take an oath. What occupation is there in the United States that you're going to accept other than going into the military and war that you might get killed or you might lose a comrade. We accept that. But this is unacceptable. It's going on right now. There's been four police shootings in the last couple of weeks where officers Crazy. were shot. We have Will Bitmore hanging on by a threat, as we already said. And we have Officer Rivera that's going to be buried on Friday. Something has to change. Chief, you brought it up right in the beginning. I'd like to hear some of your thoughts on it. Okay, so I, I talked about this sense of urgency. So if the politicians, if the mayor and the police commissioner are sincere in what they're talking about, they got to move right away to twice a week CompStat meetings, not once a week. These are not the, uh, the, the good old days during uh, Bloomberg's administration. You've had eight years of de Blasio, and now this administration is starting off on a rocky path. Twice a week, early in the morning, let's start talking about violent crime and what we can do about it. What are some of the other things that we can do? So that, that's going to be kind of a medium-term solution. We're going to get up and running with a CompStat system, right? Twice a week. We're going to start Absolutely. smoking crime. Get everybody back into the habit of doing that. And what else are you going to do? Immediately, you have a strategic response group, the SRG. What can be more strategic right now than fighting violent crime? Yes. Fighting violent criminals. This is where we should be sending them every day. I don't want to call them TPF, but this is what they should be doing every day in the hot precincts, the places where we have issues, right? So that's the uniform piece. That's an overlay over whatever you got out there in the precincts. There's no reason we can't do that tomorrow. Uh, citywide anti-crime. We used to call it street crime. Go back to citywide anti-crime. Get them trained in a week. The best cops from all 77 precincts in the city, put them out there in plain clothes, not in uniform and unmarked cars, citywide anti-crime. And that's the plain clothes element. They're on patrol in civilian uh, marked, uh, unmarked cars, right? They're out there and you have the SRG in uniform bucking up the precincts as well. Precinct anti-crime. Re recreate it. Get those people out on the street doing that kind of work, particularly in those precincts where we've seen uh, an upsurge in violence. You have an ATF task force. Yeah, I know we have a commitment. We have detectives that are working there, guys. We ought to either double, triple, or quadruple the number of NYP detectives that are working in that task force. They ought to be showing up at CompStat, explaining what they've done, what their progress has been. And by the way, we ought to be doing that with every task force we're working with. If they're not working, if they're not producing, you know, we, we pull our people back. We need people focused on 
crime in New York City, uh, where we do need a, a, a TPF, but it's not the old patrol TPF, is the train patrol force. You need cops in the subway riding those trains, and their partner should be a canine. We don't need two and three and four and five guys at a time. I need a cop with a dog on the platforms, in the, on the trains. This is not hard to do. It's been done in the past. Let's get that stuff rolling. What else can we do? Chief, can um, I just stop you yeah, for one second? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're obviously, you're preaching to the choir and every yeah. one of your ideas I love. However, we need the backing of the politicians. We need the backing of the rest of the criminal justice system. We need the backing of the community. Look, a simple thing like making uh, jumping the turnstile a civil matter instead of a misdemeanor, that's destroyed people. That's I think that en enabled the subway to have a double-digit increase in Billy, crime. I, I don't want you to interpret what I'm saying as, as being uh, a uh, an idea that I support You know the politicians and what they're doing. But my, my, my take on this is we are the police. If the rest of the system isn't working, that's their, that's their issue. We should be doing our job and we should have leadership, right? There you go. We that was Ter Ter Captain uh, Chief, yeah. I love to say it. That was Captain Terrence Tunnock's favorite yeah. expression. Don't ever I forget we are the so. police. Yeah. So I love to we put that the on the police. screen. We've got to do our issue and we have to do our job. And then, Billy, when the courts or the DAs aren't prosecuting, we need leadership that brings this out. You know, that's got to be the the, uh, the, the five o'clock, six o'clock and 10 o'clock news the next day. This is happening every day in every borough in the city. Our department has got to fight back. They've yeah. got to push back on this. And you do it not by waiting for them to fix all their We've got to be on the forefront. We're the tip of the spear for, for protection for the city, for law enforcement. We are the tip of the spear. Let the rest of these people behind us get their stuff in order. And by us doing our job and showing where the flaws are in this system, you're going to create heat on the people who are responsible for these, whether it's DAs, uh, judges, legal aid, parole, probate. We have stories every day that should be publicized about things that are going wrong in this city. And we need our leadership to be speaking this. They got to speak truth to power, whether it's the mayor, the governor, city council. It's got to be said. It's got to be Any done. Any chance we could get you back, Chief, uh, yeah, on the job? Because listen, I'd love to hear some of those policies. Listen, it, today's day and age, Billy. It's ironic. I find it ironic. You lock a guy up for a gun or a uh, shoplifting uh, beam where he pushes uh, against the security guard or something, what we would have called a uh, robbery back in the day. Mm -hmm. yep. They're not prosecuting either of these cases. Oh, he's 17 or he's 18. Let him go. And yet, so they're running wild in the streets, even after they've been arrested. And our, and our cops are wearing body cameras. Is this ironic? Yeah. The bad guys are running loose, unfettered, unsupervised, but the cops are wearing cameras. I can't stomach the idea. That there's a, there's a, a, an insidious uh, belief behind that, making the cops wear cameras. And this is no time for it.
So if I oh, were back there, not. Phil, tomorrow, I'd be pushing out all the good videos. The every day, every single day, every shift, 365, I'd let the public see how many good interactions there are and how few bad ones there are. And then I'd give an order like, forget the cameras. It's costing too much money. Take them off. Put them inside and get the cops that are supervising that whole process out in the street. We don't need this administrative nightmare, number one. Number two, we need better training, guys. You know, Chief, I, I wanted to get to that because I read your article on LinkedIn. And you correctly um, recommended more training. And, and look, cops love training. And training is a good thing. However, when I hear politicians talk about training, I think they're full of shit because guess what? It costs money. And guess what? They don't want to pay for it. Guess what? When they defund the police, that's the number one thing that goes, training. First thing. Yeah. True. Yeah. True. So, so true. If they want to save money, here's how we'll save money. Get rid of all this politically correct training. The hours, the thousands of hours that are wasted training cops not to call somebody uh, the N-word. We, we need a course in that, right? We, we actually need a course to tell somebody that. Waste right? of time. 2022, we don't need to be told that. You're right, yeah. Chief. We, right. we know, we know about that. We'll or or I, think you're, I think you're referring to implicit bias training. All of it. All of yeah. it, Billy. <laughs> you know, implicit bias. I don't know what else they, they've got out there, but we're wasting time, valuable training time, and it's not being used on tactical skills, no. on street survival skills on interview techniques, what questions to ask, what do you have to be aware of on a domestic dispute, what should you be doing, how do you, when you see a kill zone, 30 foot now, Bean, you know these these hallways up in the, up in the oh hall. yeah, all railroad apartments, long. Mm -hmm. it's narrow, one guy can barely fit through these things, and That's I hear someone's in the back bedroom, did, were they ever taught, you know, cover and challenge that guy to come out? Let him enter the killing zone. Yes. Not the cops. I, I don't know what they learned, what they knew, what they didn't know. But two, two months on the, on the street and, uh, you know. Well, I, I'll people. tell you. They I'll tell you what. We've lost a generation. Guys like Bean, guys like Phil, Billy, guys like yourself. A generation of cops with knowledge, with street experience that can pass that stuff on. I don't know that anyone's getting, you know, no. the, the value that's locked in your, your brains right now. Nope. Uh, and I, I'm a big, uh, you know, it depends on what kind of training, but I'm a big tactical training. You know, I was taking my own courses that I paid out of my pocket for, for shooting courses, tactical entry. You know, yeah. I went to a bunch of the hider courses and these are the things that I'm, I'm saying to myself, why doesn't my police department take care of it? Yeah. I mean, I went to one high, one tactical course. It was two weeks at Camp Smith. The job only gave me 5,000 rounds. I, you know, okay, I took 5,000. How come you're not teaching that? You, you have this, I'm being taught by guys from parole. No, no, it should be another another cop who has that experience you know being it's because it what i said before because it money. costs lots of money yeah. and yeah. they will say when something goes wrong they'll say cops need training we say well we could use 10 million dollars for this training oh yeah. geez 
you don't need it that badly. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. You know, well, they cut a billion dollars from the budget under de Blasio based on the uh, defund the yeah. police nonsense yep. that went on recently. And Billy said it. The first thing they're going to do, they're going to cut training. And then if you have to give rounds of ammunition to every officer to go to a, a, a tactical training, it's money. And, and, and it's just it's not going to be there. And Chief, you hit it right. These are the things that uh, would probably you know, may have saved the lives of these, uh, these, this, this officer uh, Rivera and this, and this officer Mora who's gravely ill. I mean, you know, that that's a real, that's a kill zone. You described it very well, chief. It's a kill zone. And, you know, I, it would have also helped had his mother told them that he had a firearm. I, I'm reading stories that uh, supposedly she knew he had uh, several guns in that, in that room. So that would have helped as well. I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it's, I don't want a Monday morning quarterback, but uh it's just uh, disgusting, uh, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah Philly, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, we have to, you know, take a, a good, hard look at this. This case and every other case, there, there are, you know, car stops that don't work out so well. Maybe it doesn't result in a cop getting killed, but, you know, tactically, they have to know how to handle car stops, felony car stops, suspicious car stops, routine car stops. Right. They've yeah. got to be thinking tactically. They. And, you know, the job has got so much time, six months, seven months in the academy. I can't believe we're not, everyone doesn't come out, you know, equipped. Chief, I, I, where I worked and my whole career, no car stop was ever routine because yeah. you don't know who's in that car. You don't know what they're wanted for. And yeah. obviously, if you know the car's stolen ahead of time or if it's a felony warrant, you, you know, you're a little bit more on guard. But we can't let our guard down. This is how people get hurt. This is how offices yeah. get killed. And, uh, you know, it, it's... It's really, uh, we saw a, a shooting recently where two police officers, and I don't want a Monday morning quarterback, but I'm going to point it out and maybe I'll take a little heat for it. But they approached a guy, a man with a gun uh, call. He fit the description perfectly. They approached him. They were within an arm's length of the guy and neither one of the officers had their firearms out. He pulled out a gun and started shooting. I mean, that's only about a month ago. And listen, I don't want to knock the officers, but Chief Anamone and Bean are making a great point that tactically, you're placing yourself at a tremendous disadvantage if you're going to approach uh, on a call, a 10-10, a man with a gun, and the guy fits the description to the T. Somebody called up on him. He's got his hand in his pocket. You don't even have your firearm out. I think yeah. that maybe there's some need for training there. Yeah. Well, Guys, I, I just want to put uh, – Pat Lynch was really uh, upset at the press conference. I just want to play a little bit of what he had to say. You know, as we ran into this hospital today, you don't know what to expect, and – there were hundreds of police officers running down the street, dropping their cars on the corner, running to this hospital. They were running to this hospital because they just carried two brothers out of a out of a hallway into this hospital to try to save their lives. Hundreds and hundreds of police officers are standing here today because their hearts tell them they have to be here because they feel like they're alone. We got to end that here today. Our hearts are broken. We're in shock. Our knees are buckling. And we're angry because we've been here before. We're angry because we saw it coming. We're angry because we said it was going to happen and it happened again. So tonight, you know, these police officers aren't going to sleep. They're going to be out in the street. They're going to do what they need to do. The ones that go home are going to put their heads on their pillow and they're not going to sleep. And they're going to cry. Well, it's time the city cried with us and we know they are. But you know what? We stand shoulder to shoulder by the tens of thousands to, to, to shoulder our brother. We carried our brother here. We'll shoulder him 
out this evening. We'll stand in the hallway and we'll pray for a family that's hoping their son, their husband, they come home. But it can't be just us. Yes, we will stand patch to patch and bury our brother. We will bow our heads in sadness. But we need you too. The streets can't just be full of New York City police officers at this funeral. The public has to come. The public has to send a message to anyone that dares to harm a New York City police officer. Not here, not now, not today, not to us. We're asking, we're humbly asking you to come out and help us. Then when this is over, yes, a conversation, a real conversation. Not like our heads are on backwards and we don't know what's going on. We need help. They need help. We need help. It's time to do it now. We're all looking to do it. Give us that help so we can help stop babies from being shot. Stop the violence. The guns that are coming in will help us take them out of their belts so they never dare pull it again. You know what I'm saying? We all know what we need. It's right in front of us. So now we're going to unite. And we're going to carry a New York City police officer out of this hospital, and we're going to salute the best we can. We're going to do the best we can, and we're going to line the church in front of that, that, that church, synagogue, mosque, and do the best we can. But after that conversation, that's real. Laws that are real. Support that's real. Not press conferences. Let's get voting and give us what we need. Yeah, nice. I think that was one of the most powerful speeches I've heard Patty Lynch ever do, and you could see yeah. He was upset, and yeah. you know you could see he spoke what we spoke. Take yeah. the guns out of their gun belts, not on the Iron Highway of ninety-five that a lot of the progressives want to talk about. That's too late. You know what I mean? The guns are here; they have to be taken away by the police. We can't depend on politicians, and it's all nonsense what they say. Chief, you were on our show. I think it was over two years ago. It was, and that was when a cop had water poured on water. him. And it was oh. outrageous. And the disrespect we saw has yes. been multiplied. And yes. the eight years de Blasio was mayor, he surrendered all the gains that we got when we worked our asses off. I, I stood in front of you at Comstat, got slapped around. Yes. <laughs> and, and and we surrendered all those gains in, in eight years. It's, it's a sin. You know, it really yes. is. It's, it's a mortal sin because – you all know, and I know people personally and people we didn't know, but we knew of who were hurt, who were shot, who were stabbed, who were killed, trying to make this city the uh, safe place that it became. And to have all that just pissed away, it's, uh, it's, it's a mortal sin. It's terrible. That's why we, we've got to uh, just stop complaining and just start doing, doing things. So a lot of what I'm saying, Billy, it's um, hoping that maybe someone will see it that works for either the mayor or the new police commissioner and whisper in uh, his or her ear, hey, you know, here's an idea. Why don't we uh, send the rookies out of the academy to NSU? Why don't we let them walk the streets and learn to talk to people and figure out how they and, and have good sergeants handpicked and good lieutenants handpicked working with them? Again, backing up whatever's going on in the uh, in the precincts as far as that goes. Take a good, hard look at specialized units 
everybody should be contributing something to this fight. You know, Chief, they talk about precision policing. Yeah. And that's another thing where, look, we have a lot more technology now than we ever had. Shot spotter. We have facial recognition. There's cameras all over the place. And precision policing is something that can be very effective. However, when people fight, fight us every step of the way, Oh, that's yep. discriminatory against certain populations. Yeah, it's discriminatory against people that are committing crimes. Yep. You know? So so Billy, <laughs> I'll say it again. Leadership. The leadership of the police department has to stand up and be heard. And every day, if there's an issue tomorrow, someone down there at one PP has got to take the bull by the horns and speak up. You can't let it go. You can't just sit back and and point the fingers, you know, at the mayor, at the city council, at Albany, at the governor. We've got to do our job, and that's leadership's responsibility. They got. I have to agree with the chief on that. I have to agree with your chief because right now. Uh, what bail reform did, and I only found this out recently, I have a friend of mine who's a Supreme Court judge, and I talked to him about it. The, the judges can know that a person that's in front of them, whatever the charge is, there's no bail because of the charge. The judge does not have the right to say, well, this person could be a threat to the, threat to the community. They have to go by the bail reform laws and let that person free. Now, you were talking about handguns. We should be out there arresting them, and if they don't, they, they don't charge them or they let them out. We just keep doing it. You're 100 percent right, Chief. And then go on five o'clock news, the six o'clock news, the eleven o'clock yeah. news, and say, "Hey, we're doing our part. They're not doing their part. Exactly. Put the pressure on them. Correct. Throw it right exactly. back to them." I really like that idea, Chief. I think that's well, a great idea. Let me idea. take you back to 1994, Billy and Phil, and uh, and Bean. So uh, early on in '94, so we start in Comstat. And we're putting pressure on narcotics and patrol and every specialized unit. Start looking, you know, at the hot spots, identifying people, collaring them. And somebody in the mayor's office of criminal justice said, oh, there's no more room in the uh, in the jails. You know, Rikers Island is full. They, they can't handle any more. They actually wanted us to stop doing our job. So that the back end of the dog, the tail, was going to wag you know, the head of the pit bull, who's us. <laughs> so Bratton, Timoney, Maple, this was really Maple's idea. He said, you know, we can't do this, Commissioner. Let them fix their end. Tell them to build more jails. Well, they, you know, they, they don't know where, they don't know how. That's where the idea of that floating jail came up. That was Maple. Put them, on a, put them in the river. <laughs> and they did. And they did. And we kept doing our job. Let them fix their issues. Well, we can't give it up. Phil, even even if they don't prosecute it, it's a bad gun off the street. Right. Absolutely. And once you test it at ballistics, you may end up linking it to to something worse, right? And if it's off the street, it can't hurt somebody. And and it affects the minority community specifically. We've gone through that many times on the show. These guns that are being taken off the street in these areas are saving lives. Nobody wants to talk about that. They never want to talk about the victim. That's what we should be talking about, the victims a little more. These politicians, all they want to worry about is, oh, the cops did this and the the cops did that. No, no, but let's look at the big picture. We had an 11-month-old baby shot in the face recently while some guy was playing Cowboys. the Wild West up in Harlem. 
come on, what's going on here? Well, I, I also I also think that it's the community that has to start backing us up. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, listen, you need help. Who do you call? It's not Ghostbusters. It's us. And we're there to help. But, oh, he was harassing my son. He arrested my son. I didn't want that to happen. Well, guess what? He committed a crime. He's got to, you know, he's got to, he's got to be punished, whatever the case may be. And, and I also think it's these corporations who are giving money to all these. I don't know if I should say it, but terrorist groups. Uh, you got the Black Lives Matter. You got all these other different things. They're giving them money and money and money to what? You know, it, it's hurting. But, you know, like, it's great to see the community come to the precinct, give food the flowers like the Billy just put up on the screen. It's great. But you know what? In 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 five days, it's they're gonna not gonna fun. they're gonna forget about us. Yes. They're gonna you know, Bean, I just Bean, I just want to say something. Six seven two East Galaxy, thank you for the twenty dollar super chat. Thank you guys for your passion and wisdom. I met you last year at Bordeaux with my son who is now in the academy. God bless your son. He was a great kid. Can you post a link where we can donate to the families of Pio Rivera and Pio Mora? Thanks again. Yes, there's a there's a site called Fund the First, and it's run by an NYPD detective named Robert Garland. I should have had the uh, – I posted in the chat, but I should have had the link to it on here. I'm sorry I didn't. Fund the First. It's legit. You know you're not giving to a scam organization. The money will get to these two detectives' families. And uh, also, Bean, you have another place they can give money to Venmo to feed yeah. the officers in the 3-2, right? You want to say yeah. tell me what that is? Well, we're, we're doing it. I reached out to between me, Scott, and, and the chief. We decided to, uh, you know, we want to feed the cops. Uh, that's our home. That's our family. But we don't want to feed them now. You know, everybody is, oh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to take care of the cops. In three days, they're going to forget the cops, and they're going to say, you know, fuck the police, that type of stuff. Yeah. So what we're doing is collecting from the old timers, the retirees, because great people came out of that command. I mean, one is with us right now. Chief of department came from the three two. Yeah. Okay, you have uh, Vinnie Coogan. You have uh, even right now Joe Kenny, Chief Kenny. Uh, we have dozens of people that that uh, that came from the precinct. But anyway, uh, so what we're going to do is, you know, obviously you've seen the wall. You know, that's the first thing that you see when you walk into the command. All the people that, all the police officers who were shot and killed, uh, murdered, okay? Um, and now we're going to have to build another another slot. So uh, this money will be used, obviously, to feed. Uh, there you go. That's exactly right. Um, th this money will be, uh, you know, sometime maybe in March when everybody thinks that they forgot about them we're not going to forget okay and besides that uh, the money then will whatever's left over we're going to donate it to the club so they can build that wall and uh you know remember our fallen comrades and uh if there's money left over for that then we're going to give it to the widows and orphan fund uh obviously uh um i believe rivera is the one that has the wife yeah. So uh, she'll be taken care of. But what about the the other one, more 
he wasn't married. So what about taking care of his family? You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. The widows and orphans will definitely take, you know, take care of them, the organization. But, uh, you know, we want to send out, you know, hopefully we, we collect enough where we can take care of the wall and then we can, you know, take care of, uh, take care of some of the families, you know, see what happens. Being what is uh, the, where can they go donate? Or you said Venmo, but what specifically? Yeah, Venmo, to... Quack, 3-2 Precinct. If, okay, if that, let me put that's, that, that That's correct, right, uh, Chief? It's Quack, 3-2 PCT. Right. And, abbreviation. And uh, we, what we knew is uh, one of the guys, um, he started it, and he's a retired sergeant. Uh, he was a cop in a 3-2, uh, became detective. Worked in the squad for a little while, and then uh, become boss, and then you know he obviously retired. Um, so we need everybody who is going to you know give money. On the narrative, just put down contribution to the three two precinct. This way, he doesn't get hit with any taxes. All right, Bean. I just want to say that out loud, folks. It's you go on Venmo and you put in Quack three two PCT. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give as soon as I get off the air. I couldn't find it before. I was trying to get on right. before, and I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, donate when I go to folks in the chat. This is police off the cuff, real crime stories, and we're trying to be the voice of law enforcement. You know, uh, we we do real crime shows, but we also talk about great members of the NYPD, and we mo mo uh, memorialize their career. But when situations like this happen. I, I like nothing better than to try to be the voice of law enforcement, very humbly to be the voice of law enforcement with some of my compadres here that I've reached back. I reached all the way out to Singer Island in Florida, grabbed the guy <laughs> in the upper right, and uh, and being on the lower right, 3-2 uh, legends from the 3-2 precinct. And folks, this is a real brotherhood. And I, I can tell you, Chief, I just want to play a little bit of the, uh, the cop. His name is Sumit Sulan, and he's the cop who shot the perp in this. And after we watch a little bit of it, I just wanted you to talk about, it's not an easy thing to deal with. And even though he's a hero in the eyes of everyone on the police department, he still has to live with this. He's a rookie with like, what, not even a year on the job. So let's, let's watch a little bit of this. Uh, hang on one second, guys. Um, I'm going to share the screen. You think this is easy? I know I make it look easy, but it's not that <laughs> It's not that easy, you know. You do make it look easy, but I know it's yeah, not. Yeah, well, I don't know how easy it is. That's so easy. Uh, who, and took down the alleged gunman. 27-year-old rookie officer Sumet Sulan shot LaShawn McNeil after police say McNeil opened fire on the other two officers. Sulan has been on the force for eight months. Just three weeks ago, he was commended for confiscating an illegal gun. The mayor's new action comes after the murder of 22-year-old NYPD officer Jason Rivera. He was killed while responding to a domestic violence call in Harlem Friday night. His partner, Wilbert Mora, was also shot in the head and is now fighting for his life. This here's another live look at the memorial set up at the 32nd Precinct House near the scene of the shooting. Eyewitness News reporter Lauren Glassberg is in Kipps Bay with the latest on Officer Mora's condition. All right, Chief, I just want to make one comment before that. Uh, yeah. Duty Ron, thank you for the $50 Super Chat. Duty Ron says, Chief, I was there when you led the charge on the Grand Concourse when the killers of my fellow squad member, P.O. Kevin Gillespie, was shot and killed in 1996. You were a great leader, and I thank you. 
retired NYPD detective Ron Chiotti, Shield 4503. Yeah, another sad, sad night, guys. What a tragedy that was. God, a young uh, cop, a young uh, Marine vet, shot down with his gun in his holster, guys, on a car stop. Chief, I just want to get back to what my... Chief, I just want to get back to my original thing I was going to ask you. Yeah. As a commanding officer of a precinct, uh, of a precinct, what do you do for the mental health of all your cops in the three-two precinct that lost a comrade and had a second comrade mortally wounded? You, you know, he's critical condition, wounded in the hospital, and then the third officer who shoots and kills the perp. How do you deal with the mental health of your precinct? How do you do that? What kind of leadership do you need to have to do that? I'll tell you when I was when I was chief, I asked uh, six or seven fairly uh, senior executives in the PD who had been in command of a unit or a precinct where one of their cops was killed to sit down, brainstorm the issues for what kind of uh, information we can get out to the other precinct commanders, and they did that. And a lot of it, Bill, is you know it's it's not it's not a secret. You've got to be interested. You've got to show them that you care. You got to have time to speak to them. And I mean all of them. Your lieutenants have to speak to them. Your sergeants have to speak to them. You've got to speak to them. And you, you know, you've all got to be there for, for each other. It's a, a group uh, approach. Uh, you know, sometimes you're going to find survivor guilt. You know, hey, I, I lived, they died, he died, I lived, you know. You got to be aware of that. You got to offer them and, uh, you know, talk, talk, talk to talk. And if somebody needs help, you can, you've got to be able to provide it to them. You got to put, yeah. send them to the right place, whether it's privately or within the department, anonymously or, or not. They, you know, you, you got to look out for them. Uh, and, you know, you, you'll see signs. Guys turn to alcohol. Guys start, you know, not showing up for tours of duty or they're late. It could very well be that they're still going through some PTSD. We didn't have the term back then. Right. But when I was a sergeant in the 3-2, uh, I was there two weeks when uh, Ralph Stancy was shot and killed. Crossed the street from Harlem Hospital in the Capri Bar, 136th and Lenox. Uh, two years later, Bruce Anderson, two blocks away on Lenox Avenue on 137th Street, was killed when two uh, radio cars collided on a re uh, responding to a 1013 put over the air by uh, a, a radio car team who were being ambushed up on 8th Avenue and 153rd Street. So, uh, you know, back then it was, you know, stiff upper lip. Nobody was offering any help. Nobody was talking to anyone. Chief, Chief was, I got to make a comment yeah. about that because October 2nd, 1986, I was in anti-crime. My partner and I, uh, we were also with another police officer. Uh, we got into a, a small chase. Anyway, gun battle. They blew out the window of our car. We returned fire. We got one guy. One guy got away. A couple of days later, when I got back to the command, uh, Captain Cornelius Dever, he, he passed on now. He brought us in. And he had been in a couple of gun battles himself and he sat us down. He said, guys, you're okay. You know, he went through a few things. He goes, listen, if you have nightmares, that meant a lot to me because I was yeah. a young cop. I was only four years on the job. 
just gone through this. That was my second shootout that I was in, but it meant a lot to me because the first time around, nobody really put their arm around you and said, Hey, yeah. I've been through it. You okay. Thank God we were both. Okay. I was okay from the first one too, but uh, it did mean a lot to me. I think you're making a great point. Uh, you know, these cops are going to need a little help. And listen, sometimes just even after nine 11, I never talked about it until years later. And uh, I was having some nightmares and stuff when I finally talked about it. Uh, it, it, you know, all of that stuff went away. So uh, it's a great point, Chief. I'm glad you brought that up. And and the yeah. commanding officer of the precinct, when he shows that he cares for his guys, means a lot. Yeah. It goes a long way. It's, there's nothing like it. There's nothing headquarters can do or the medical division that counts as much as that. That personal Absolutely. touch right there where everyone's working together, you know? You know, I, Chief, I have, I, 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 Chief, I have some PTSD Walking on the eighth floor towards the lectern, and you <laughs> asking me questions. <laughs> Rub a little dirt on it, Billy. <laughs> what are you getting from me? That's right. I, I, I'll, t I'll tell you one thing. That's something I've noticed. That not trying to say anything about the young executives that there is on the uh, NYPD. Some of them, they want to know when they're getting promoted. They don't care about. Yeah, I remember. Sure. Uh, maybe this is a uh, bias, but I remember when you became when you you came to become the CEO. You always, everybody okay, everybody good. This is the problem. This is what we need to do. Let's get on it. Boom. A and you know what? People are afraid to go to the CEO because he doesn't talk to anybody. Yeah. Now, I mean, luckily for us, we've always had uh, good CEOs in the three two. Uh, some dummies, but uh, yeah. most of them were good. You know, Al Matarasso, Chief Matarasso was yeah. a great guy. Uh, yes. You know, Coogan, Vinnie Coogan, Mc, McBride, uh, Kevin McBride. You know, we've had some really good CEOs. And, you know, it, and that's why from the beginning, this is a big family affair. Uh, you know, when, when I was in the academy, they told me uh, you'll never have the 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 closeness you have to these guys and uh you know what it's true these are my family now i have one brother that died you know friday and then i have another brother oh, yeah. who's who's who knows what's going to happen to him you know and i've been out of that command for four years and it still hurts because that's my my family i know when i retired um i put it on facebook that uh, this is the saddest point of my life you know, I'm leaving my family. Um, you know, I I worked so hard. I spent I spent almost two careers, two careers yeah. in the three two. But I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. You know, wouldn't it's have it any other way. Work. Hey guys, just for the uh, just for the record, when Bean was there and I came in as the uh, CEO, so I was there two and a half years. Al Matarazzo was there two and a half years. Five years, starting in 86, the height of the crack ep epidemic, the height of the crack wars uptown in the 3-2. Those five years, we didn't have a 3-2 cop, despite making gun arrests every day, every night, responding to gun runs, etc. We didn't have a 3-2 cop fire a shot at a human being over five years up there. Right. So when people talk about how bad we are, I mean, I salute their courage, their humanity, their respect for human life. And it's it's something that's done, you know, throughout the city, every precinct. But that was one hell of a record during very, very tough times.
And yep. I know the uh, the flowers and the uh, the tribute in front of the precinct and the other photo, Bill. They're uh, they're tied to. I'm not sure you know it. The uh, two trees that were planted uh, when Piagentini and Jones were assassinated in 1971. So you've got two to... trees planted there. Uh, now you have a, um, a memorial growing. That might be something else for us to do, uh, Bean. Planting yeah, I... another tree. That's 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 a good idea, Chief. Uh, I like that. that. You know, it's funny because when I walked into the precinct uh, the first time, and uh, I'm like, what did I help? What did I get myself into? You know, yeah. and uh, you know, I saw the plaques on the wall. Uh, I saw, you know, went outside, saw the plaques on the trees. Um, you know, but it's it it is the best priest in the world because everybody's tight. Uh, you ran a good ship. You know, everything was good. And, and you're right. We had murders, uh, 80, 90, 100, and we're not even a square mile. Yeah. And, but we didn't shoot nobody. We got shot at a lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we didn't shoot anybody. Everybody that was arrested was arrested and they did time. You know, yeah. uh, uh, you know, it's, it's ridiculous what's going on these days. You know, it, it's it, sickening. It, it, even Father Lucas and uh, Reverend <laughs> Calvin Butts uh, had yeah. to, you know, acknowledge that we were doing one heck of a job. They wouldn't say hell. That's yeah, great, yeah. Uh, Chief. Yeah. Uh, Lieutenant Peter Pranzo, another three-two, another three-two legend, Harlem Raiders. Thank you for the twenty yeah. bucks, Lieutenant yeah, Pete. I remember. Chief Adamone was, was one of the most highly respected members of the service who ever worked in the three-two precinct. Thanks, Lieutenant Pete, for Pete. all of your um, your. All of your support here and your wife, Richella, they're at every episode of Police yeah, Off the Cuff, and thanks for being really here tonight. And, and Pete is one hell of an author. I love his, his books. And he was sure. one hell of a cop. He's the best. He was a street yeah. crime lieutenant, too. Yeah. I was there when he was there. See you on Patrick, Generation X. Thank you for the $10 super sticker. All you folks that are in the chat, this is the NYPD. This is what you're seeing. This is the face of the NYPD. These uh, two, three, two heroes. Louis Anamone, who became the chief of the department, worked in the 3-2, was a street cop his whole career. He wasn't some little bucket boy from the police academy who studied <laughs> who studied for three tests. He was I on the street. That. I he took those tests that while he was on the street. He put yeah. that veal parmesan hero aside and he opened up that patrol guide, you know? <laughs> so, uh, and then we got Bean, uh, and he was baptized as Bean. So uh, he was another 3-2 legend. 3-2, a great, great precinct. These guys made it a great community. These guys made it a safer community. And it was always one of the busiest commands, not just in Manhattan North, in the city. Let, let me tell you a little bit about Bean. So he, he worked for years in patrol in the 3-2. He knew his sector. He knew the bad guys. He knew the good guys. He knew who to help, who needed help. And then as a reward, he got promoted to detective and he served in the 3-2 squad. That's the kind of uh, knowledge and respect that he built among the uh, people, not only in the precinct, but downtown. They allowed him to stay in the 3-2 yep. working for that community. The best decision that was ever made. Thank That's you great. very much. Thank you very the much. The only bad thing he did, Chief, was that he used to pick up uh, suitcases full of White Castle burgers. <laughs> <laughs> and that was That's the cigars. worst thing he had done. That's cigars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's cigars. But I have to say one thing. Uh, 
uh, Chief Matarasso, uh, every time that we had a, uh, a shooting up in the squad, he came up to visit because just like uh, Chief Anamone, he was a hands-on guy. Yeah. You know, he wanted to see. He didn't didn't bother us. Didn't bother us. And he was chief of Manhattan detectives. Yeah. Uh, and all he, you know, when, you know, it's 11, 12 o'clock, I, you know, I opened up my union stipend and said, all right, guys, uh, what are we getting to eat? And well, it's too too late to get any kind of food, so let's let's go get White Castle. And <laughs> Chief Matt, Chief Matt, yeah, let's go. I said, don't worry about it. We we got we got to. It's on the DEA. <laughs> but I, I'll tell you one thing though, Chief. Um, leaders like you made us working guys appreciate our job, and you know you've always been a gentleman. Um, and we wanted, you know, we worked for you, and I know and you, did. and you, you worked for us. Yeah, if there exactly. was a, if there was a problem, hey, you would step in. Me. I had your back. Yes, that's it. I had your that's back, it. and you well, knew it. it. And the guys and gals there knew it. Yes, and you know, it's funny you said that. Uh, Chief uh, Chief Anamone is uh, second day on patrol um, when he was the CO, and he's doing a four to twelve, and I'm a brand new guy. And uh, Gene Mullahy says, listen, you're going to drive the, the captain. I said, I'm driving who? And he said, the captain, the new captain, the new CL. I said, uh-oh, what did I do? Yeah. Sure enough, we're pulling somebody over, a family car stop. I'm like, so he says, put it over the radio, because he didn't have his radio in his reachable area. I said, damn, how the hell do I put that over the radio? You know, I said, uh, three, two, CO, essentially, we got, you know, a bunch of people stopped. And uh, he had my back because uh, he was covering me. I took him out of the car. You know, we did what we had to do. Yeah. And, and and again, we will we will work for someone who's a good leader and who, who has our back. And you always we had were, our back. We are and we were being the police. Yes, we were. Right. And, we we and, weren't report takers only. No, we were, no. we were the police. And, and unfortunately, with this uh, this climate that we have now with defund the police, fuck the police, uh, you know, the police is always wrong. All they want to do is occupy our, our neighborhood and streets. You know, it's wrong. You know, of course I, I chose to stay in the street. Yes, I could have got out uh, a long time ago. I, I could have went to a different area, I, I whatever, you know. I No, I chose to stay where I was because we had such a great, great command. And you know what? The people out there are good too. You know, they weren't, uh, exactly. you know, they weren't, they weren't bad people. Yes, you had some bad people, but you also had some criminals who said, you know what? You got me. Yeah. And, and that was it. Put their hands behind their back. But, uh, you know, uh, the the people have to put, they, they have to stand by us, they really yeah. do. And the same you know, thing with Chief, this uh, Bean, if I could just say something, the um, what we need though is is when we do have government trying to alter the things that the police can do. For example, we had that horrendous uh, law for a while, the diaphragm law. Yeah. Uh, mm. We need we need the government to solicit experts, not just haphazardly make some stupid law without knowing what the hell they're doing. And that's what they did with the diaphragm law. They had no idea what they were doing, but they just, it sounded woke to them. So they said, let's enact this thing called the diaphragm law. Yeah. And Every, things like that, 
everyone had to get on the George Floyd bandwagon, right? Yes. Everybody had to do something because of the George Floyd case. One case. Hey, guys, again, let them release all the body cam video day in, day out, throughout the city. You know, we're the best police force in the country. We don't have any issues here. Get rid of that stuff and let the cops be the cops. Yes. And, and back us up. They don't need it. And, and we need to be backed up by the, yeah. you know, you know what, even if we weren't backed up by the politicians, they have to answer to the civilians. They have to answer to the people in the neighborhood. Many, many times, even, even yeah. you, Chief, how many, how many uh, clergymen came up to you and thank you for what you were doing? I can, yeah. I can, I can think of a hundred people because crime was going down a little bit, you know, yeah. and that's what, that's what it's about. Who uh, wants yep. to, wants to live in fear of their life, no. you know, and, uh, no. you know, we need, we need backup. Sure do. And you we know? deserve it. Yes, we do. These guys yes, and do. gals deserve that backup. They deserve that support. Hey, they've earned that support. Yes. Day in and day out, whether or not someone's killed or not killed. They earn that support and shame yeah. on any politician or any community group, you know, who doesn't give them that support. That's I had a laugh. I saw Jumani Williams behind uh, the mayor at that uh, press conference in Harlem Hospital. Disgraceful. Disgraceful. Two-faced hypocrite. He had no business being there. Yeah. None of no. those. 100% right. You, you know, know and just, Chief, you get a lot of these community organizations now that are part of the uh, violence interrupters, they call yeah. them, and they're getting federal money to, yeah. to do what they're, you know, the, whatever they're doing. I don't know what they're doing, yeah. but they're getting paid for it. And yeah. if you would have asked the police, is that a good idea? I think we would have said, no, let, give us that money for training, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Let's do some tactical training and save some lives. There you go. Down the road. Absolutely. Right. We That's don't need yeah, the violence interrupters. You know? The ability to be confident in how they handle themselves and what to be aware of. Again, situational awareness, tactical skills, street survival skills, things that Phil or Bean or you, Billy, could teach a class of 20 or 30 at a time. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Your own experiences. And, and, and volunteer, you know, yeah. we would volunteer to do that. Because yeah. we've been we've been there, we've done that, you know, and uh, and you were right, you know, it, it just goes to waste when somebody retires because they just can't take it That's no more. Gone. With that their, knowledge, that experience is gone. Yes, exactly, you know, and it's a shame because, uh, you know, I loved I love being a detective. I love being a cop. I love being on patrol. You know, we had some fun times, and we had some sad times, but yeah. we, you know. We we were okay, you know, and you know we had good people with us and stuff like that. But uh, you know, it's just these days. I, sometimes I don't blame these guys for being scared. Yeah. Uh, they keep forgetting who they are and what could happen to them. Yeah. Because like that third that third police officer who who uh, shot the perp, he he could have been a victim too. Sure. You know, he could have sure. got shot. He's and lucky to be alive. Yeah. That's exactly right. But you know what? You know. Someone was watching over him, and uh, you know what? Uh, we could, you know, it, it'd be a shame because you know you have three young cops who took this job to be cops. I mean, I, I saw that uh, that forty nine that Rivera did, you know, why he wanted to be a cop. Yeah. 
Yeah, you so know, did I. That's, it was touching. That's, yeah, uh, it was touching. That's yeah, it that's, on is that's it on the screen, but none yeah. of us. We're all old. We can't read it. The font's <laughs> yeah. too small for us. <laughs> I could read it. I could read it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, uh, and he's genuine. I mean, and again, yeah. he, he, he was he, genuinely he, a good kid. He was really exactly. Good. And it, and, it and, brought me to tears to see his picture that night. I got it text to me, and when I saw these young faces, it really. I swear to you, it brought me to tears. And I got to tell you, everybody that I met Friday night, civilian wise. Everybody was really upset about it. It's it's just a horrible thing. You could see that this kid, by the videos that were put out and that beautiful 49 that he wrote, I mean, you right. could see he was really all hard. He was a good kid. He just wanted yeah. to try and change things and help and, and do good for the community. And unfortunately, he lost his life for the city. And, and the city needs to to acknowledge and thank the, the people of the city need to acknowledge and thank that young man that he gave his life and his partner who's struggling and fighting for his life. They need to acknowledge that. And I hope that there's a big show of support on Friday at, at the funeral for uh, police officer. Yeah. Sure. Guys, I just want to, uh, I'm going to put up the flyer for the times for the wake and the funeral. Good. And then Good. once I do that, I'm going to give everyone the final words because we're at an hour and five minutes. And I know the chief has to, Get up early to work on his tan tomorrow. So <laughs> I want I want to get this on the screen, folks. This is uh, the services tomorrow, uh, Thursday, January twenty seventh, one p.m. to eight p.m. That's at St. Patrick's Cathedral on Fifth Avenue between Fifty and Fifty First Street, and the funeral service is Friday, January twenty eighth, uh, nine a.m. at St. Patrick's Cathedral. So I wanted to put that up on the screen. So uh, even uh, we encourage civilians to come to this too. show your support show your support to his family uh, anyone that wants to come you're welcome chief anamone final words and, and by the way chief thank you so much for coming on the show you're a great guest and i always yeah. appreciate i reached out to you i found you way down south and uh i sent a team of detectives down there to find you and <laughs> you had some of the suntan lotion on your nose and they <laughs> listen it's it's my pleasure guys because I always like being around real police, right? Not not uh, fake police, real police. It, it, it was my honor tonight to spend an hour with you. And listen, my last word is say a prayer for the family of uh, Anthorpe uh, Police Officer Rivera, but for the uh, Police Officer Mora as well. All right, that God's will be done and he be merciful to him and his family. Absolutely. Thanks. Amen. Phil Grimaldi. Last words, Chief. Uh, I'm so glad to, you came on tonight. Uh, I can speak to the fact that you had the backs of the cops when I was in the 6 squad. A couple of things went down there. Oh, and yeah. you, you worked there as a cop. I worked for one of your partners, Larry Holting, for a short time in the 6 oh, yeah. squad. Great guy. I always talk about him, how he was a great boss as well. And I remember you coming down. There was something with uh, they were threatening cops in the, in the SNU unit. You were down there every day and oh, doing yeah. what you had to do, getting the job done. You definitely had our backs. Bean, it was great to meet you. I know that uh, your heart's broken over it, just as all of us are broken about these cops from the 3-2. But uh, it was just great to meet you tonight, and I really Thanks. got a different understanding. I didn't know much about Manhattan North. And I didn't know much about the 3-2 till this happened, but I, I got a uh, pretty much of an education on it. I want to thank you again for coming on. And again, I it's want to echo the word to Chief Anamone. Prayers for the Rivera family. Prayers for the Mora family. And uh, let's hope that... Uh, uh, Officer Mora can uh, pull through and, and uh, just, uh, you know, the city needs to uh, wake up 
and I think uh, this may this may wake them up. But uh, I like what the chief said that we got to get out there and do our jobs. And and if they don't do theirs, it's on them. Yeah, yeah exactly. Bean, final words. Yeah. Well, I, I I'm broken hearted for what happened to these cops. Um, it's a it's a dirty shame, you know. And I I also want to you know give a prayer for those two, but I also give a prayer to the third cop who is going to be living with a, a big burden. And uh, I, I'm glad that he was there. The way I understood it was he was on a foot post getting warm, you know, so they took him in the car and he decided to get up and be a cop. And, uh, you know, the chief always told us at roll call, back everybody up. It doesn't matter if there's two or three cars, the more the merrier, you know. And this this uh, this cop, another one with only a couple of couple of months on or a couple of weeks on, he came backed up. Thank God for him, you know. And and I just want to say uh, the three two, uh, you know, you guys are my family. Uh, always love you, you know. And uh, it's great to see uh, all of you, and it's great to see the chief because it brings back a lot of a lot of good memories that yeah. we had together, you know. And uh, you know, he was a gentleman, but everybody that came to the three two were gentlemen. You know, uh, cops, sergeants, lieutenants, captains, inspectors. You know, and uh, Billy, Billy, you, you, you might, you should have had a desk in the three two. You were going there at least that's for three, sure. four days, yeah. four, three or four days a week. You know, and Phil. Oh, 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 oh chief, they were always trying to shake me down though to buy the whole squad meals. Yeah. I was like, what? Uh, what? You know, go yeah, to Bean, I mean, go to the DA yeah, delegate. Yeah, I mean, you know, Billy wanted the steak, and I said, all right, we're going to get you uh, hamburgers, white castles, that's steak. <laughs> you know, but uh, and Phil, it's a great pleasure. You know, I heard a lot of good things about a lot of good things about you, and yeah, Billy, uh, and both of you actually keep up the good work with this. Uh, this little uh, podcast or whatever you want to call it. It's really, it's yeah. really nice. But, Thank you uh, very much. You know, you know folks, this has been police off the cuff, real crime stories is my privilege to have retired chief of department, Louis Anamone and my buddy, uh, Irvin uh, Abina bean uh, baptized as bean, but Irvin Abina is his real, uh, his real government name, as they used to say in three, two, right? <laughs> the government name. So folks, thank you so much for uh, watching us, for supporting us. And have a safe night, a great night. Bye now. Stay safe, everyone. Good night. Take care now. One episode, just ain't enough.